Welcome to our podcast, Taco Tuesday with Tim Goes Online. I'm Alana Becker and I'm here with Tim Mangler. Hey, Tim. Hey, Alana. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Well, you know, I'm sick of being inside, but uh, hopefully this will pass soon. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so great. So great. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for that as well. The sunny days are helpful, but I'm, I'm ready to be out with people and in warm weather for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to warm weather, that's for sure. Well, thanks for meeting with me today and talking. Our topic is worship, which um, is just, a, I think, a really cool thing to be able to take some time to think about and dive into. So much of worship, I think, as we've seen in the church, has really felt like a Sunday morning experience with a full worship band and uh, being together and as a community, and we don't have that right now. So I think it's a really interesting thing to take some time to talk about what worship, what worship is and what we can be doing in this season uh, to be worshiping God. So I just want to start off with, Tim, like, what do you think worship means and how would we define, how would you define worship? Yeah, I think we definitely have to start by redefining or more clearly defining that term worship. Uh, so much of the evangelical church, and especially the tribe that, that we're in the vineyard, we tend to use that term just to describe those songs that you sing on a Sunday morning or in a gathering. You sing some songs, and we call that time period of singing songs worship. But of course, worship is more than just that time of we're singing songs. And I think this, this time period that we're in right now with this pandemic and being on quarantine is actually helping us to define that a little bit more because we haven't been able to gather together in a church and we haven't been able to sing those songs the way we have in the past. So I think that we need to, to redefine worship. And if you go back and you think about it in terms of like Old Testament, when you read the Old Testament, the way they use the word was to talk about sacrifice. Like you think about Abraham and Isaac, uh, you know, he, God has in, instructed Abraham to go off and, and sacrifice his son Isaac. And as they're walking along, Isaac says, but dad, where's the sacrifice? How are we going to worship without the sacrifice? Sure. There's this concept that worship always involved a sacrifice. And for them, it usually meant an animal. It usually meant going to the temple. Obviously, we don't need to do that anymore. Jesus is our sacrifice. Amen. But I think we need to come back to this idea that worship is sacrifice. I always tell people, if worship costs you nothing, then it probably wasn't worship. Yeah. If, you come, if you come to a gathering, if you come to a Sunday morning and you sing a few songs and you go home and, and, and it didn't cost you anything, was it really worship? And so I think we need to begin by framing it in terms of what's the costliness or what's the sacrifice of our worship? It could be financial, sure. Are you still giving to the Lord? That can be part of how we want to talk about worship. But it can also be time. Mm -hmm. How are we spending our time? Are, are we giving a sacrifice of time to the Lord? And I think fundamentally it comes down to a position of heart. Are we sacrificing our heart for the Lord at a, at a, at a costly level? 
And right now in the, in the day and age that we live in, and then within this pandemic, what I've been noticing is a lot of selfishness, you know, uh, looking out for ourselves, looking out for me and not considering what the cost to other people might be. And so I think even in this day, it helps us understand that a sacrifice of worship is about lowering the me factor. Mm-hmm. How can I be more in line with God, the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, in a sacrificial way, in a worshipful way, right now can mean lowering that me factor. But I think, you know, especially in this time where we can't meet and sing songs together, we really have to think about worship more broadly yeah. and uh, in terms of sacrifice. Great. Yeah, that's really so good that you were talking about the sacrifice of, of your heart. Could you dive more into what you mean by that? Yeah. Um, you think about, think about in, in terms of human uh, relationships, um, when you're in love with somebody, if you've had that occasion, that experience of being in love with somebody, you think about how your heart sort of flutters for that person and your heart almost plots and schemes of finding ways to be with that person and to spend time with that person and uh, maybe to give nice things to that person or to say nice nice things to this person that you're in love with. But there's that, there's that part of your behavior that becomes guided and directed by your heart when you're in love with someone And I think that's what the sacrifice of heart is. It's not duty. It can be really easy to to punch the time clock, so to speak. I went to church. Kajink, I punched the time clock. But does your heart flutter for Jesus? Hmm. Does your heart guide you in the more wanting to spend time with him or wanting to, to give things to Jesus, just like you would in that human relationship? For sure. That's so good. It's it almost as you say this, I get this feel of you know, when you're, when you're in love, you're thinking about them all the time and your attention is about them and wondering what they're doing and what's happening. Um, and you know, how they're feeling and what, how your actions would affect them even throughout the day. Um, Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's really good. So when, when we have this aspect of thinking about how, you know, our heart sacrificing to God and, and our attention being on him, what do you think is, is hindering that? What do you think is drawing our attention away from God that is keeping us from that heart sacrifice worship? I think generally speaking, you could say the tyranny of the urgent. Um, and in our day right now, circumstances, uh, I think we have two big obvious circumstances that in this moment would be drawing us away. Uh, the economics, there are a lot of people that are economically struggling and wondering how they're going to pay their mortgage or their rent this month or how they're going to put food on the table. And so that's of course going to draw your attention away. And then of course there's the obvious of the health issue. You know, we're, we're in a pandemic. Uh, will I stay healthy? Will I get sick? Will my family get sick? Or I have family that's sick. I am sick. Uh, and so there's this constant worry or stress factor about health. Now, that's just the moment that we live in. Fast forward two years and the circumstances will change, but there'll still be the tyranny of the urgent. Uh, You know, it it might look different. Maybe there's a natural disaster. Maybe, you know, 
there's some other thing going on in the world that demands our attention. And so we're always going to have these things, the tyranny of the urgent that draw our attention away from the world, they'll always be there, they'll just look different. But it's the same with, in that, again, coming back to the human relationship, if you're in a committed relationship where you're in love with somebody, particularly if you're married, the tyranny of the urgent will be there. You, you know, you, you still got to pay the mortgage and you got to feed the kids and get them to school and everything else. But how do you make time for your spouse? How do you still date your spouse? How do you still ta have time for that relationship? And so just like we would work on and care for our marriage, we just have to have that same approach with, with worship and the sacrifice of, of heart for the Lord. Yeah, for sure. That's so good. Um, when we think about how this, this urgency and this attention is drawing us away to other things that, um, some of them not bad, paying your bills is a good thing, but what do you think that this is doing and how do you think it's affecting us as people? Well, again, right now in this time, because of those two circumstances, the, the economics of it and, and the health, the pandemic, I think it's bringing about a pretty serious spirit of fear. Mm -hmm. because we are, our attention is being pulled away from the Lord by some really serious issues. It's bringing about a spirit of fear. As, as I've just been, you know, moving about and talking to people and stuff, I just see this fear. And, and honestly, in some people, it's, it's borderline full-on panic. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, even just this morning, as you and I had prelim preliminarily discussed this, I was thinking of the passage in 2 Timothy 1.7, um, where it says, I do not, the Lord does not give us a spirit of fear. Uh, the New King James and several others use the word fear. NIV uses um, uh, timidity. Mm -hmm. But if you look up the word, it's actually the word cowardice in the original language. But most, the way it's framed and the, most, the way most translations want to use it is with this idea of fear. And if you think about it, if the Lord didn't give us a spirit of fear, then that means fear is a spirit. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now if I've taken, if I've allowed the circumstances, the tyranny of the urgent, and again, these are very serious, very real issues, but yeah. if I've allowed them to pull my attention away from the Lord, then I'm more vulnerable to that spirit of fear. For sure. And the spirit of fear, of course, is not from God. And so anything that's not from God comes to destroy. Yeah. And so the spirit of fear is coming on many people to destroy their peace and to destroy their intimacy with God. And then it destroys worship. I mean, if you're in a place of fear or panic, it's hard to worship. And so I think the spirit of fear is, is really working hard against uh, the ability of heart worship, sacrificial worship, and it's, it's killing the peace that we should have. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Now, I've been hearing different people talk about year, the year 2020, and there's been a lot of uh, talk about how 2020 is a year of vision. And my question then is, do you think that God is bringing our focus and our vision back on him in this year? Like, what do you, what do you see God doing in the midst of all this? Yeah, I really do. You know, it's funny. I heard that expression a lot too. Oh, 2020. So this is going to be the year of good vision. The Lord's going to help us see and I think that's exactly what's happening, but in a way completely unexpected from what I thought it might be. And I, most people would probably agree. 
I think the way he's refocusing us is something that we would have never anticipated. As I've really been focusing on on our present circumstances, again, the pandemic, the health issues, the, the economy, the economics of it. And as I've watched people respond, right? Um, Jesus says, for out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth will speak. And I've watched how people have, are responding with what they say. And then, of course, how that leads into their actions. And I'm seeing idolatry. Huh. And I think the way the Lord is helping us refocus is to show us some of our idols, wow, to show us so some of the things that we've actually been worshiping that aren't him. Yeah. And I, I sat down to start to make a list of some of the things that I'm just kind of perceiving that are idols that I see in the church, and even in my own life, in me. And I'm up to seven. Wow. Um, and we won't unpack all of those today. We'll just use that as a, as a lead-in for this Sunday's message. But, um, you know, there's a lot of things uh, that we're setting up as idols in our lives, and this is exposing it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Paul says, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. And we're all familiar with that, with that passage. But in the midst of this pandemic, it's becoming clear that we've not been living that out. For sure. Yeah. We, we've made an idol out of, of looking after ourselves and self-care while ignoring the one right next to us who might be suffering. Mm-hmm. And now this pandemic has brought a, brought to highlight that the person next to me is suffering and I've been doing nothing about it. Yeah. And I think there are, again, there's a number I had, I made a list of seven of them. Um, I think the Lord is exposing some of our idols. Um, we've made an idol of comfort. Yeah. Right. I mean, we love to be comfortable. And honestly, let, let's, let's be brutally honest. We, we like it when church entertains us. We like it. We like it when worship happens up front on the stage and I just show up and watch because that's comfortable for me to get into this deep place of worship, to get to the place where I have heart flutter worship. I'm going to have to root out the things that are getting in the way and root out some of the idolatry and I think this pandemic is doing that. It's showing us that we've allowed comfort to actually to get in the way because now the pandemic is making us uncomfortable. And we're like, wait a minute, I don't, I don't like this. But honestly, we should have had that feeling before the pandemic. Yeah. And what's interesting too, to me, and when you say all these things, when you, when you actually start thinking about it more, about thinking about others and not just having church be entertainment and not just having worship happen up front. There's, there's such an experience. It's so different when you actually have those hot heart flutter moments with Jesus and you are engaged in worship. And, and I think, I, I think it's like being called to a better way. You know, you yes. say all these titles that are in, in the way of what I think is better. Yes. It's, it's not, God's not just asking us to take things out. It's that he is actually better. And what he's asking us to do 
is so much more full of joy in life that I think that we'll find some really beautiful things when we let down these idols. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. A lot of that was really well said. Um, and you know, even, so I, you started that right there by saying part of worship is, is the other and serving other. And, and that's so good. And that's so helpful. Part of the way we worship the Lord is, is through service to others. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps no greater example of that than mother Teresa. But so this, this past week, uh, one day on my phone, I got a ping from, from Africa and one of our key leaders in Africa has been feeling very sentimental, which is unusual for him. He's not like that, but he sent me a video about a two minute long video of some worship, a song and dance happening in one of the Mozambican churches at a time when Amy and I were there. And Amy's in the video. You can see her in in the group of ladies that are dancing. And I watched it, and I thought, oh, man, that's just so good. That's so good. And I went over and said, Amy, look what, look what Zavimbi just sent me. And I, I played the video for him, and she just started to cry. Aww. Watching this video of worship from two years ago made her cry. Why? Well, because it reminded her of the heart flutter moment, the sacrificial worship that existed at that time of us there to serve them and them to serve us. It's not a one-way thing when we go there to serve. And so the context was the song and the dance, but the heart flutter was in the people that we were there to serve and to be served. And I, I think we've lost that. In so much of our worship, uh, you can you can walk into a church and you can sing a few songs and then you can walk out of the church and the service didn't happen. The connection to other humans didn't happen and the heart flutter moment didn't happen. Yeah. And for anybody who's listening to this that doesn't know, Amy is Tim's wife. So yes, thank you for clarifying. Great. I love that story. That's so beautiful. Um, well, to wrap things up here, I just want to ask like one last question. And I, I want to, what are practical ways, Tim, what are things that you're thinking that we can do to recenter our focus and our attention on Christ in that sacrificial worship way? Yeah. You know, I, I think two, two things I would suggest for this one, uh, spend a little time with the Lord and ask him to show you where your idols are. Because the idol is the thing that's getting in the way. The idol is the thing that's preventing the heart level sacrificial worship from happening. So just sit and ask him, where are the idols? You know, he's good like that. He'll show it to you and he'll show it to you in a way that's usually kind of gentle. Um, so let him lead the way. And, and, and you might not like it. You might not like what he says, but be obedient to what he says because maybe he'll show you something that's been a blind spot for you. It's not a shame fest. This isn't a, hey, feel terrible about yourself with Jesus moment. It's a, hey, there's something more that he has for you. So let's find out what's in the way and just get rid of it. It's not something to sit in and and wallow in. And like you said a minute ago, Jesus is so much better. And so if he shows you an idol, if he shows you something that's getting in the way, what he's ultimately saying is, hey, I'm better. I'm a better option than this thing. You've been settling for this thing, but, but come on up a little higher and, and worship me. And let's get this idol out of the way. So yeah, you're 100% right. It's not a shame thing at all. And then the second thing I would suggest is 
even in the midst of this pandemic where we are somewhat limited, what's a way that you can serve others sacrificially as worship? You know, what's a way that you can, and I realize for every person, this is going to be different. Um, you know, I've had some conversations with people that are immune compromised and how they could do that might look entirely different than how someone else can do that. But what's some way, what are some ways that you can serve others really sacrificially, again, as worship? You know, the food pantry is still open. Somebody still has to go over there and pack the food or... Maybe you've got a neighbor that can't get out or, um, you know, the first responders and the frontline workers that are getting stressed and weary, you know, let the Lord lead you and guide you in it. But what's a way that you can go serve someone that would be costly and sacrificial to yourself? Because then it becomes a moment of worship. I love that. That's so great. Well, thanks so much for meeting Tim and talking through these things. I think that this has been really beneficial. I know it was so great for me to hear and sit and think through these things and to listen to your ideas and thoughts. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. It was great. I'm, I'm very happy that you reached out and suggested this and it went really well. So thank you for putting this together. You're welcome.